Hello, friends. Welcome to Originality Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dalton. And joining me today, as always, is our show's awesome producer, Amanda Foster. What's up? Today, we are welcoming to the show Elizabeth Utter. Hi! For our Type 6 interview. And I am so excited to have Elizabeth on the show today. She is just a wonderfully creative and unique person and she is brilliant and kind and you just you can see it in everything she does and we we've just barely started to get to know each other but I I have loved talking to you about your personality and think you're just so unique within your personality and we've definitely had several people on the show that were either totally the stereotype of their personality or they totally broke the mold of their personality and I think you are someone that totally breaks the mold of a type 6 and I love that because I think people have this view of type 6 as like this really fearful timid person that just is very compliant and goes along to get along with everybody and is analytical and thinks through worst case scenarios but like you know there's not a lot of dimension I think to people's understanding of an Enneagram 6 and in part because there's so much variation within that personality type that it's hard for people to learn and understand and get to know it so I'm so excited that you're here thank you I'm so thrilled that you even asked me to be on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) I think when I met you you like said that's one of the first things you said was like, do you know what the Enneagram is? And I was like, <laughs> I mean, a little bit. <laughs> that's just, And then just like read my mail from there. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So fun. Literally one of my most favorite things. Um, <laughs> but uh, so why don't you go ahead and tell us just a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, where you're from, what you do. Tell us about yeah. your family, all those fun things. All the fun things. So I am uh, Elizabeth. That's like, I guess, how you introduce yourself, right? Um, I am Fort Worth, born and raised, and just recently, like very recently, moved to Galveston with my family. I am married to my husband, Jacob, and I have a little one-year-old who is almost running around. I normally say kids are running around, but my kid literally can't run. Um, So he is crawling around. (laughs) Um, but I, uh, for, I mean, I'm a creative, I think like at my core, everything I do has creativity in it. Um, for work, I have found that creativity in like, I ended up, I end up working with like social media platforms and doing a lot of marketing stuff, but it's also a lot of creativity with like design and like a lot of the way that things look. So yeah, design mostly. Um, and yeah, I get to work remotely, which is pretty cool. So I get to be with my family a lot. We hang out, um, I would say 18 of the 24 hours in a day. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And, uh, yeah, like I think that's kind of the, the priority that I've made in my life is doing everything around getting to be with my two favorite people, which is my husband and my kids. So that's kind of me and what I do. I love that. Y'all are like beach bums now, which is we amazing. are. It's yeah. If we weren't before, we definitely are now. I mean, I think before we even moved to the beach, we came to the beach at least like six times a year. So yeah, yeah that's a lot. Which is not normal. That's not yeah. Normal. I didn't know that. I didn't know that wasn't normal. 
<laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. I even told, I even told Jacob when we were driving, like we had gone out of town for something. And as we were driving back, I was like, I just feel better the closer I am to the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling very well. I feel that way too. I just never get there. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you have a reason to get there. I know. So. Yes. I really need to take advantage of that. So, Elizabeth. Yes. Tell me about how you first learned about the Enneagram, how you came across it, if it was a positive or negative experience, and then how you learned about your type and just kind of your your introduction to the Enneagram. Okay. So I think the first time I ever heard about the Enneagram was a friend of mine who was actually like a past teacher of mine. She had like put a little post up on Instagram saying like, I'm reading this book called The Road Back to You. I highly suggest it to literally any person. And at the time, I had been like in a reading slump and I was kind of looking for something to read. So I messaged her and I was like, oh, like, can you tell me the author name? I think I'm going to read this book. I've seen the word Enneagram on Instagram and I have no clue what it is or what it means. She then told me she's actually hosting a group, like a little small group going through this book, The Road Back to You. So I was like, okay, I'll be there. Like, I am a person who hates small groups, one, and also I'm like not good at finishing any book ever. Um, So even like doing that was kind of like out of my ordinary thing. But I was so curious because I think even before all this, there was something in me that was never satisfied with all these personality tests when it would like tell me my types. And I'd be like, but there's more to it than that. Like, I'm not just like you know, introverted, like that doesn't really feel like it fully describes me. So I was very interested in like learning about me and my personality. And it seemed like something that could like push me into more like learning. Do y'all hear my kid? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I joined her small group, went through that. I went to literally like three of the small group thing out of like 10. So still didn't conquer my, um, like lack of committing to small group, but, uh, I did read the book. And so that was, that was my intro to Enneagram and like learning about what the heck it even was. Yeah. And that was also my intro into getting to kind of like type myself rather than like, just like taking the test, although Mm -hmm. they were the same. So I would say (laughs) that didn't change much, but Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah, she pretty much introduced me into that. And she was learning about it herself. So we were kind of all learning together, which was pretty cool. I love it so much. I feel like that's such a great way to be introduced to the Enneagram. And I think so few people actually have that experience. Usually it is like memes on Instagram. Yeah. And- <laughs> I think I had seen them, but I it would be like six W seven. I'd be like, "What the heck does that mean?" Like, yeah, you can't really scroll past. Yeah. So, in learning about your enneagram type, what did you resonate with the most? I hated it, actually. Like, I was reading. <laughs> I had I had taken a test, found out that I was a six, and I was like, eh, "I don't really like the description of this enneagram, so I'm not going to say that I'm that." Like, I'm just going to say that I'm a two and that I like care about people because that sounds cool. Oh my god! And then, and then like <laughs> my husband actually, he was like, you are not a two. I was like, 
okay, well, I just want to be, or like, okay, if I'm not a two, then I'll just switch to being a nine and I'll be a peacemaker. And he's like, okay, but like, this doesn't, that's not how it works. That is Um, hilarious. That's so you though. You're like, yeah, you're just, you, you're like me being a six was like, I'm going to now control this situation about like what I was typed at and like figure out a way to change it. Yeah. Which is not how it works. Right, right. But then once I actually like was like, okay, let me actually go. I went back and I read the sixth chapter again in that book. And I was like, this could actually be really helpful to me. So let me just like own it Mm -hmm. and like try to process what I am taking in, this information I'm taking in. Because I think it's funny that, you know, fixes have this kind of like worry behind things. And they're so unwilling to admit it that they end up worrying about being called a six who worries and you're like I'm literally (laughs) just like in this like cycle yeah yeah so I thought that was kind of funny but once I fully let myself believe that this was like something that could be helpful for me and embracing this like core of myself it was so helpful and I think that I started to resonate with the fact that I don't have to call it fear it can be that like I am very aware of like things going on around me and I want to be prepared for and I do have this like thing where I want to be prepared for the worst situation where I think in most people feels like anxiety or fear or worry but for me just like this being my pure motivation it felt natural to like have that thought process of like preparing for the worst and like planning ahead and like and I would tell my husband this and he'd be like yeah that's called worry. (laughs) Um, So I think that I was like unwilling to accept that. Mm. But like, I feel like it's true that you are very good at planning ahead and you're very good. Like, I think people usually think of the six, like for me, actually, I've never heard anyone say this so I don't know why I'm saying people think this way but for me (laughs) I like want to project it onto everyone else like when I would stereotype the six in my mind it's like this person who is so afraid to do anything that they don't actually execute anything or get anything done yeah um, because they're so like stuck in their worry and I think sixes can get to that point I yeah absolutely but for you like you are the kind of six who you implement everything I mean like you just moved to Galveston like it's so quickly too and but like not only that but like you're really crafty like if there's something that you want to create or make especially as a creative you just figure out how to do it and you do it and because you're constantly calculating I feel like that even helps you further because you're able to think of okay what are all the things I need and then what are all the things I need again or even like You know, I feel like even the way that you handle Bennett, your son, and, like, taking him out, you know, when you, like, go places or, like, you're always, like, prepared with him. Like, we went to SeaWorld and it was so easy because you, you, like, (laughs) yeah, SeaWorld on a whim because, like, you thought through everything that he would need and you knew exactly, like, how it would go because you're constantly, like, calculating um, yeah, I think that's a really happen. good way to put it, like constantly calculating. 
Yes. I didn't know that that wasn't something everybody did, planning like 12 steps ahead. No, <laughs> not, not at all. Not yeah. at all. And one of the ways that we talk about um, kind of that dynamic um, of, of what you're describing of you have a gift and it can be a negative. It can be worry, but, but you don't Mm -hmm. feel like it's always worry. Um, and one of the ways that we talk about that is, is so we really believe that the Enneagram exposes the scheme of the enemy to take the way that God has gifted you and created you and then take that and use that against you. And so what happens is everybody has something that they're gifted for, that they're created for, that they bring to the table that nobody else does. And we have an enemy that's taking and using that to attack us. There's, there's spiritual warfare over you being able to use who, who you are, your best self in the best way and to be healthy in that. And so, um, yeah, so I, I would say the gift that you have for planning and discernment and, and even just analytical and strategic thinking those are all things that are really powerful that you bring to the table. And when you're not in a healthy space, it can look like worry and anxiety and suspiciousness and not trusting yourself and not trusting others. And it can look like all these other things that are really unhealthy. And so sometimes in the descriptions of the Enneagram, Enneagram teachers are so harsh because they're trying to cut through to help you become aware of something you're not aware of. But it can mm-hmm. be so harsh that they don't show, like, but this is the gift of the exact same thing. This this mm-hmm. characteristic mm-hmm. Of, of your personality, of the way that you're wired, this has good and bad aspects to it, just depending mm-hmm. on if you're healthy or you're unhealthy. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. I think something in that that helps me when I was learning about the Enneagram was like, and I say learning about the Enneagram as if I have learned about it. I know like so little, Um, but something that helped me was somebody said, it's not your behaviors that make you a six, it's your motivation that makes you a six. It's not that you're this person biting your nails in the corner who doesn't know what to do with their life. It's that you have this kind of motivation behind everything that causes you to behave the way that you do. And that's where, when you're learning that, you can grow from there. And that's how you can like, that's how you can grow. That's how you can learn about everybody's motivations and try to take on a more healthy version of yourself. Yeah. Well, and I think also, and we, we, we talked about this really briefly when we talked before about your personality type, but if I had to guess, and I don't know for sure, but it seems that you're probably a counterphobic six rather than a phobic yeah. six. Um, and so even like what that looks like for you is completely different than what how a lot of the Enneagram type six is described. Because instead yeah. of reacting to fear or worry in a, okay, I'm going to retreat from that. I'm going to pull right. back. You instead are like, Okay, I'm scared of jumping out of pl- out of a plane. So I'm gonna go jump out of a plane yeah. just so that way I don't have to be afraid of it. And, yeah, and, absolutely. And so you're the person wow. that you're gonna go for the thing that scares you. So that way you don't. You, in that way, in a sense, it's your way of trying to control the thing that scares you and have absolutely. some aspect of control in the situation. Because if yeah. you can face it and overcome it, then it has no control over you. Whereas a yeah. phobic six is going to try and anticipate and control by troubleshooting by anticipating right. what's gonna go wrong, and then 
hedging their bets, like preparing for that by putting things in place, trying to be prepared and prevent it. And you do some of that as well, but you're not going to let that keep you from moving forward and taking action. Right. And I'm so glad that you're explaining that because if I could say that if there was one thing that I wish every six would know is that difference of like figuring out which version of the Enneagram six you are, because whenever you were talking to me about that, that was mind blowing. And I was like, this makes so much more sense because it also helped me even more realize my motivation behind my behaviors. It's just like another step into it where I I know a six who is the opposite of that. And I would always think there are six, I'm six. I don't think we're the same kind of thing going on because we have a completely different outlook on these things. But yeah, understanding the counterphobic is life-changing, I would say. Yeah. And I think that jumping out of a plane thing absolutely describes you (laughs) to a T. Yeah. Jacob always tells people, please don't tell Liz that she can't do something because now she's going to have to do it and she's going to like keep doing it until she's the best at it. (laughs) Yeah. Which is so true. I mean, like, because like even like since I've known you... Like, you've done so many different things. Like, you are a hairdresser. (laughs) (laughs) You are, like, graphic design. Like, you did photography. Like, just figuring out all the different things because they're there to do and you want to figure it out. Yeah. I think it comes out of, like, almost like what you said, Jessica, like an obsession with, like, if someone says, like, I, I don't know how to, like, make photos look good on Instagram. And, like, I'm kind of already in this world. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to become a photographer and learn <laughs> exactly how to do that and, like, be terrified of it while I'm doing it. But then feel so great after I feel like I've overcome something. That is yeah. so cool. I love it. So cool. Yeah. And so in that way, counterphobic six tends to look more like an eight or a three, whereas phobic six tends to look more like a two or a nine. And so Mm -hmm. it can actually be one of the hardest to type because it's so different and specific. Um, But I think I think you're a very fascinating person. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you, doctor. (laughs) (laughs) so what what would you feel like has challenged you the most personally and internally as you've learned about the Enneagram Hmm. oh my gosh I think that I keep going back to this like the word fear because I think that that it it offended me (laughs) Mm. um the word fear offended me the word worry offends me the word anxiety offends me (laughs) like those being Mm labels that people see me as if they're not if they don't get to know me and if what they do know about me is that I'm a six and those are kind of the immediate words that get slapped onto that yeah that has been hard for me and I didn't ever think of myself as a person who cared so much but I do apparently and I also it's another thing that like you said about the counterphobic where it's another thing that I feel now that I need to conquer and prove wrong almost. So it's like, yeah, there is this unhealthy version of me that can come out that is super anxiety ridden and worry about every single little thing. I think I experienced that most with my son being born because now I'm in charge of a whole nother human and I cannot control the world around him. Like I can control so little in comparison to like what this world brings. And so I think that um, that hurt almost because it was like, 
I was seeing this fearfulness in myself around um, just like protecting my son or keeping him safe or making sure he's healthy and just like all these things where it was like, oh my gosh, is this like the true me? Is this the six? Is this like the, is this who I am? Am I just fearful? And just kind of like letting myself accept Mm. that. And then that's where I had to be like, no, I'm still Elizabeth. I'm still like this person who wants to take things head on. I'm still like in control of my actions. I can still like let people help me. And like, this isn't something that defeats me just because it feels more out of my control than just my own life. Yeah, so good. So um, I'd love to hear more actually about what it's like for you as a mother being a six. I know I know other type sixes that are not moms, but in this moment, mm-hmm. all the ones that I'm thinking of are moms. <laughs> yeah. All, all my closest friends that are type sixes are moms that have one or two kids. And mm-hmm. and I've walked with them through just how hard that is um, mm-hmm. to, to, to parent. And um, as a type six, you know, doing that. But also, I think type sixes are very family driven um, more than almost anything. Yeah. And so called to parent and called to protect. And they're some of the most incredible mothers I know, but they tend to doubt themselves and they doubt their own abilities. Yeah. um, And and tend to not see their own strength. And so I think even for you as a counterphobic six, I wonder what that's like. Mm -hmm. Do you struggle with doubting yourself? Do you struggle to see your own strength? Or is it the opposite? Do you overestimate your own strength like a type eight or Mm -hmm. do you minimize your weaknesses? I would be curious about some of that as well. Sorry, that was like five questions, but. (laughs) No, that's that's good. That's so good. Um, Yes. So I think that I think that I do both. I think that there are instances where I do overestimate my preparation for just like taking it moment by moment and figuring out because without a kid. I can think 12 steps ahead with a kid. I can think 12 steps ahead and know that eight steps are going to get knocked out because the situation's going to change. They're not predictable. You know, like you can only be so prepared with a kid. They, their personalities are still developing. They're learning literally every second of the day. You don't know if they're going to sleep or eat or want you or not want you or want to be active. And so I think like, In my day-to-day routine, I learned very quickly that I can't think 12 steps ahead and that that's okay. And I think that in the beginning, that affected me very negatively. I think in the beginning, that overwhelmed me. I was like, what the heck? Like, I can't prepare for this unpredictable little thing. I love it. But like, (laughs) wow, you are crazy unpredictable. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas with like, before having a kid, you can kind of plan ahead. You can yeah. plan ahead for like what you're going to do that day, what you're going to eat, what your work schedule is going to look like. Whereas with a kid, you can try to do that and you can do that to an extent, but there has to be a whole number, whole another level of flexibility added into there that I had to come to peace with that made me feel, I would say did make me feel like a failure for a little bit because I was like, oh my gosh, you know, if Bennett was hungry and I had just fed him before we left the house and I was like, I wasn't ready for you to be hungry again. I thought we had 30 minutes to go do something. 
it would bring fear panic to me over something so small Mm. to just be like, my kid is upset. I can't fix why they're upset. Well, I can, but it would ruin my plan for the rest of the day. So you're like, it's like this cycle of like, do I drive back home? Do I keep going to what I'm going to do? Do I call the person and say, hey, I need a minute? But then like, I'm also like, well, I don't want to ask them for help because I had this all planned and prepared and they were counting on me. And so I think that that was a big like adjustment for me to be like, okay, I can prepare and I have to be open to the flexibility of what this day might hold, especially if like I'm in charge of Bennett that day. Now there's days where like Jacob's in charge of Bennett and it's like way less on my mind. But on those days where it's like me and Bennett, I have to be very open and that was an adjustment, I think, as like a planner. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So first off, I just want to like validate like my one of my sister-in-laws and one of my best friends are both type sixes and moms. Mm-hmm. And I've watched them go through that and experience mm-hmm. that and becoming mothers. And um, and like that's legitimately super, super hard. I think for anyone, no matter your personality type, but I think it affects different yeah. people differently. And I think especially this stage, like the newborn to toddler stage right. is really, really hard for everyone, but especially for type sixes. It's it's pushing on a lot yeah. of of uh of just like your core issues and, mm-hmm. and and that's that's really, really, really hard and really painful. Also, I wanted to ask what that's like for you when things don't go according to plan. What does it feel like? I think a lot of times initially it feels like failure because Mm -hmm. I think as a counterphobic, I'm attacking something head on. Right. And so if it doesn't play out the way that I was like, no, I was facing this problem. Like I was putting all my effort into fixing this and overcoming this. And then let's say it just like doesn't work out. Um, I think immediately it feels like failure. And I go, Mm. oh, like crap. Like I just ruined whatever it is. Or I let somebody down because I'm off schedule. Or I, you know, didn't, I could have prepared better. I think that like that thought comes in a lot. Mm. Like I could have planned better. I could have planned 20 steps ahead instead of 12. Like, you know, I think those things are the initial feeling. And I think at this point, my kid is one. So I've had 12 months to learn about myself. And I'm sure that this will just continue. But I think in the beginning, it was harder. And I think now I still get that initial feeling. I still get that like, oh my gosh, I feel like I let my kid down. I feel like I let the people down around me, whoever my day was planned with or whatever. Um, And I think now... I still I still feel that way initially and then I see the next step as another thing to tackle now. I think it now it's more like okay, that didn't go according to plan. What is the next thing that I can do to not stress myself out, not put any stress on, you know, like it's no big deal. I think that's something I tell myself, but don't believe. And I think that I'm trying to push towards letting myself believe that it really is okay. You didn't fail. Like you're just a mom out here taking care of a kid. Your kid is perfectly fine. You're fine. Nobody is like going to the hospital. Like we are doing great. Like we're doing great. We're having a good day and we can keep having a good day. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what what would you say your advice would be to um, another mom that is a type six that is wrestling with those same things? Yeah, oh, so good. I wish that somebody would have told me this, which is just like, you're the best mom for your baby. And your instinct is so right, probably. Like, yeah. you, yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> I, I'm six. Yeah. <laughs> me being like, <laughs> probably. But plan if it's not right. Um, <laughs> no, but just say, like, you are you are that kid's mom for a reason. Yeah. You have everything that they need. And, like, don't question that instinct. It's 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 built inside of you and it's like it's okay to listen to that and and not worry about the step you're taking yeah Yeah, so good I just want to say like there's so much conviction in your words and I'm like I'm sold on it like like, (laughs) yes I've had to learn a whole lot this year as you can imagine yeah yeah (laughs) so I'm also curious how that same uh wrestling with creating the plan, having, trying to be prepared, trying to make sure you're, you're responsible and honoring other people, even, um, Mm -hmm. how that plays out in your creative process or in jobs that you've had in the past or in creative work that you've done. Yes. Okay. So working for myself is a little bit, I would say actually harder than working for somebody else because, Working for somebody else, there's a set expectation um, that I, you know, same process, plan ahead to try to meet and try to give them my best work and da-da-da-da. Working for myself, right now, the work that I'm doing is interesting because I'm working for myself, but it's still for other people. So it's like a freelance type situation. Mm -hmm. So there's still expectations to be met, but people hire me because they trust what I do. So there's, there is like a flexibility of freedom with creativity on my end. Um, and I would say that I question myself a lot more working for myself than I do when I'm working under a set expectation. Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah, that's exactly it. That's perfect. Yeah. Like I think that being my own you know, I'm the one who finalizes the work that I send out. I'm the one who has the final say on it. That has actually been harder for me than it is working for somebody who can just tell you the things to fix or, you know, or can tell you, hey, that's not exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something more like this. That's actually easier for me to work under than it is to work under my, me being my own critic. Um, yeah. Which is like a million times harder because I think I question myself a lot more. in my work, in my creativity. I think like, is that really the best? Is, you know, can I do better? So Um, true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that a lot of people experience that. But I'm trying to think of like how being a six relates to that. And I think that it's the way that I tackle projects, that questioning and that wanting to tackle them the best that I can sometimes hinders me in putting out my like natural talent yeah. Um, because I think that I will second guess myself to the point where the, the end result isn't even what, what I would have created. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, for me at least as a seven with a six wing, how I've experienced yeah. that is um, 
I will get super in my head because five, six, and seven are in the head triad. Yeah. And so in my attempts, my my struggle with self-doubt, I tend to not trust my gut. I tend to not follow the creative idea, but instead to try and learn as much as I can to figure out and make it as perfect as I can. And then it's not... The end result, you you end up second guessing it or whittling it down to something that you think is is good enough or will work for other people. Yeah. Instead of trusting that you you know God gives us creative ideas and yeah. we can we can follow an idea on it's almost like you go on a journey with the idea and yeah. and that's where the gold is a lot of times and you have to be able to trust yourself in order to find that gold and know mm-hmm. that you can do it and when you're working for somebody else it it frees you up to be like oh I don't I don't have to make this absolutely perfect I yeah. just have to do what they've asked me to do. This is the expectation. And so there's almost a freedom within that to follow the idea and find the gold. And so I think creativity is sort of like singing. It's like anything else. So singing, I, I always think of this, of singing this way, but really everything in life is this way. Singing is, yeah. is something that um, incorporates the whole person, spirit, body, mind, uh, heart, everything about a person is is brought into the experience of singing. And there's lots of things in life like that. But creativity incorporates all of the person. And if you are suppressing part of yourself or you don't trust part of yourself, then then that's going to really hinder. Then you're going to over-rely on a different Mm -hmm. part of you in order Mm -hmm. to try and compensate for that. And for five, six, and seven whatever it is that they're suppressing which usually it's you know emotion or their instincts to some extent yeah. they're going to over rely on their mental ability um to study or learn or analyze mm-hmm. to try and compensate for that and that limits your creativity until yeah. you bring those other things back into alignment and do what you have to do to to heal and get in touch with your emotions or your body in order to be fully present to mm-hmm. what you're doing wow yeah that's so good. That's crazy. Dude, when you talk about trusting yourself, I realize sometimes, and maybe you can even break this down further because this is just like a thought in my head. I will, one, not not trust myself to trust. This is like, I don't know. This is maybe too much. Sometimes I don't <laughs> trust myself to trust that the person working with me trusts me. So it's like almost like I'm doubting that the person trusts me in the first place. And then because I think like they don't really want my true creativity or like they don't they don't really know like what they're getting here. Then I start doubting myself mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, maybe I should give them something different or maybe I should give them something, you know, out of the box or yeah. whatever. That is 100 percent a type six thing. It was in a book that I read or even earlier today, just kind of doing a refresher. But it, it's mm-hmm. um, because you have a tendency to, to doubt yourself or to even mm-hmm. be suspicious of other people. Yeah, um, yeah. That you project that onto other people, that they are just as suspicious of yes. you as you are of yourself. And that is so accurate. <laughs> <laughs> which then creates this like insecurity of yes oh everybody is as critical and suspicious as i am so i have to 
I'm not going to be able to meet their expectations. So it it can be a huge hindrance and a huge mental block um, to to anything, really. (laughs) Amanda's like blown away. My mind is blown. Welcome to my world, Amanda. (laughs) But I also, I feel like, I feel like that, like, I don't know if this, if that translates to a threes experience, but I feel like that very much, but maybe it's more for a three it's more about appearance but it's like the same thing like i'm so like a three like a three is very maybe? critical of themselves right mm-hmm. and so i feel like everyone else is just as critical of me as mm. i am of myself just as far as like appearance or um yeah so there would be some different things associated with that for a three so um so okay let's let's piece this apart this is fun okay so for a three the it's it's usually there's a battle with shame at the root of it um and not not really believing that you're worthy as you are yeah and so i feel like everyone else feels like i should also feel shame because i feel like i should feel shame Mm. don't cry (laughs) I'm gonna cry (laughs) you care about me too much (laughs) (laughs) it's okay it's okay I'm okay okay. and for our next episode we will be breaking apart Amanda's personal life around the feeling of shame (laughs) all of my scars (laughs) but I so getting back to how that looks it's so the, it's the psychological concept of projection that you are projecting how you feel about yourself or how you perceive others feel about you or onto other people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then that creates kind of this bubble of uh, fear, insecurity, or um, just over concern about what others think at all to begin with. And I think yeah. probably all types do that to some extent. All types wrestle with those things right. one way or another. But yeah, different motivations and it tends to look a little bit different. So for the six, that's going to look almost, it's going to create more of a panic. And for a three, it's going to create, uh, you're not going to panic, but you're going to work really, really hard to try and change yourself or adapt in order to meet your mm. perceived expectation of, mm-hmm. of what other people are going to like. So, yeah. um, so true. yeah. Cause I think for me, it is all in my head where it's like, I'm thinking these things through and I probably won't change that opinion that I have about like being skeptical. if them being skeptical of me until I have like basically told myself that that's not the truth. otherwise it will just stay there (laughs) yeah yeah and so for a type six knowing the truth is other people are not nearly as uh, hard on you or as suspicious of you as as you are hard on yourself or are even naturally suspicious of other people um and some of that let let me address that suspiciousness real quick yeah uh six is can foresee how things are going to play out. They have a natural gift for seeing A mm-hmm. plus B equals C, and it, this will lead to this will lead to this. So you, yeah. you are aware of things in people that you, when you see it, you discern that could lead to this. And there is a gift in that. 
There is also that can turn into assuming things about people that are not true and not giving people a chance to really get to know them or closing yourself off from being able to trust people and be able to let people in to actually build relationship. And it it takes longer to build relationships with type sixes. It takes them longer to feel like they can let their, their guard down and really open up with people. So, sorry, I went into, like, a totally different place there of just wanting to explain what I meant by suspiciousness and what that looks like, um, that there is a gift there. But uh, realizing that other people don't feel that way about you can give you so much freedom to be like, oh, well, if I'm working with somebody that's a type 7, they're going to assume the absolute best (laughs) or or to my husband's a type seven (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and 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 knowing that just just knowing that people don't think the same way you do gives you freedom to not live in fear or anticipate the worst in that Mm -hmm. space Mm -hmm. um and in anticipating others reactions to you and instead choosing to let go of no matter how they react to me, I know who I am. I know what my best is. And I'm going to choose to do that and trust mm-hmm. that I have good instincts. Just like it's you so were good. talking about how you parent Bennett. Yeah. Approaching your work in the same way. Wow. So good. Mm. So good. Yeah. And then for a type three, it's really, really believing that letting go of the shame and really believing that you are worthy of love at, you, at, like, at your core, just as you are. And... um you know who you are, you know what your best is. And in a, in a way, it's the same in that and, and growing in being whole within yourself and not needing outside affirmation or approval. And then you can mm. let go of the expectation of others and not, not let that, because that, that takes up so much space in our minds. Like, yeah. like you want to think about like the grand scheme of life, how much of your thought life right. could get taken up by caring what people think of you. Oh my gosh. Like it's too much. It's way too much. It's too much. <laughs> and when you like if you think about it like on a day to day, like, oh yeah, I spent some time today thinking about what people how people will, will perceive XYZ. But like in the grand scheme of your life, that's a lot of time. And yeah. we, we don't have time to waste on that. Oh so my like, gosh, I, preach. Yeah. I, I think I spend all that time and energy analyzing every situation. And it's like, if you just go live the situation, like it's, it would be over be by fine. now. Yeah, yeah. it'd be over by now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so good. I would, I would add one more thought onto like stereotyping of sixes where I've been told this before when people do know that I'm a six, sometimes they will say like, I am like, I don't want to tell you something that's like, hard to hear because I don't want to send you into like worry or fear or whatever. And then I read something the other day on Instagram, uh, just like a girl who. So you mean like they're trying to control you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, dang. (laughs) So, so I've had somebody say to me before, like, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, maybe you couldn't like handle this information almost type things. They're like, I don't want to make you worry at blah, blah, blah. That's so rude. And it's like, if anybody can handle it, it's probably sixes because they've already thought about you thinking that. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. like they're already, they've already thought of it. There's not like, and there's nothing worse. I think maybe this is six related. Maybe it's not. I don't think there's anything worse than like you knowing there's more to something and somebody not telling you it because now my thoughts can run even more wild with like, 
if you really want to make me worry, just like don't give me all the information. And now I'll yeah. worry, you know, right. yeah. yeah, leave That's some so pieces real. out. And so true. now you've got me worried. But before, if you can tell me just like the facts or you can tell me, like, tell me it straight. Like I can, I can like run towards that and deal with it. Mm-hmm. So good. I do want to say something though, something I appreciate about the way that you see the Enneagram. I love that you personalize it to every individual. I love that it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're taking into account, like when you're talking to me, you're taking into account my life, what's reality for me, and then telling me, you know, how the six is in my personal life, not just slapping this like label and saying, well, this is how you are, you know? Yeah. I think that that's yeah. really encouraging and informative and that's actually helpful with the Enneagram, whereas slapping labels is not helpful. Yeah, that's so good. Oh, that means so much. That's like literally everything <laughs> that I hope that comes across when I talk to people about their personalities. So that, You're doing great. That it's really like, means a lot. When you said that, it reminded me of like, if like a guy... Or I guess since we're girls, I'll use a girl analogy. But like, <laughs> if you go and like buy like a bridesmaid dress, and it's like you don't get it tailored, and it like fits all wonky, and it's yeah. not really for you, and yeah. it's you know, yeah, because like that's what the baseline of the enneagram could do, and it yeah. doesn't right. really serve you. But if you like, like, I like this. Yeah. I think that it makes sense, but this doesn't really fit me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it has to be tailored to each person because you are unique. Totally. That dress is going to fit just you and no one else. Yeah. I love your analogy. (laughs) That was a great analogy, Amanda. Thanks. (laughs) It was. So speaking of tailoring personality to you as an individual, do you know your Myers-Briggs or your Strength Finders or DISC? Yes. We talked about this Mm -hmm. and I found it the day we talked about it. Um, and I'm going to find it right now. I feel like you were, you said, whatever you had said was correct. Okay. (laughs) I feel like, uh, that's what you want to hear. Yeah. I feel like you were an INTJ. Um, yep. That is correct. Okay. Um, which is so interesting. All the other sixes I know are INFJs. Um, mm-hmm. or ISFJs. I, I know that mine was on the, is it T and F that are yeah. the third one? Yeah. I know that mine was like split 50-50. Yeah. So it was like both. Yeah. Which it makes sense being a counterphobic six that that would be a lower preference for you. That feeling would be lower. Even though mm-hmm. you're a very naturally intuitive person either way. Um, and I'm sure you have a bit of empathy either way, whether you're an INTJ or an INFJ. Yeah, I think that INTJ was what I kind of ended up being like, this makes sense. Yes. And the INTJ, the different one of the bigger differences between the INTJ and INFJ, INTJ, when they are trying to communicate, um, they, they tell tell it like it is they don't have yeah they don't know how to cushion something yeah or sometimes I wish I did know how to cushion (laughs) yes and so that's something where an INFJ uh, is gonna 
maybe uh, be a little more relational and be able to to word things in a way where people be able to receive it better. Yeah. Whereas an INTJ is very matter of fact, very yeah, very go with the facts. Uh, with emotion kind of removed from what the facts are yeah um and they can look at things very objectively um you probably won't relate to a lot of the descriptions of a type six being super emotional Um, right and there's 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 whole there's whole whole huge huge sections of descriptions on type six that you won't relate to mm-hmm. as an INTJ, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. And I think that's why I questioned my type so much too in the beginning, not knowing about, you know, counterphobic and different types of things that you could be within being a six. Yeah. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I feel like I just had therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, but you know. not quite, but <laughs> No, I think it's fun. I'm glad that y'all do the by type because it's like hearing real people who are each type is like way more relatable than reading facts about yourself on paper. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Liz, for taking the time to do this. I so appreciate it and it's so valued. Just getting to know you better, getting your input on 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 type six getting to know our type six friends better it's really just been invaluable and such a beautiful conversation thank you so much for doing this thank you thank you for for having me on here i've never been on a podcast before (laughs) so fun all right guys that's it for today tune in next week for our type seven interview if you've been enjoying this podcast if you have learned something if it's ministered to you in some way please leave a review on itunes those reviews help bump up the podcast in the search engine when people search for originality podcast it's really invaluable those reviews that you guys leave and thank you so much those of you who have taken the time to go and do that it really means so much to us follow us at originality podcast and follow my personal instagram at just loves personality and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing to close out our time together i would like to share a quote from c.s lewis no man who bothers about originality will ever be original whereas if you simply try to tell the truth you will become original without ever having noticed it until next time Yay! <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>